HR Nation, it's Chris Rainey. Welcome to HR Leaders, the show where we interview today's most successful and innovative HR leaders. Today's guest is Nigel Miller, and Nigel is the Chief HR Officer at Edelman. Uh, Nigel, welcome to the show. Hi, Chris. It's great to be on your show. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. Um, tell HR Leaders a little bit more about yourself and uh, your journey to becoming the Chief HR Officer at Edelman. Well, uh, so I'm a Canadian living in London. I've been in uh, in the UK uh, for almost 10 years in Europe for the better part of 15. Um, my my path to becoming um, the head of HR for Edelman is a little bit unique in that it's, uh, it's a career that's sort of come full circle. I started uh, in communications. Um, actually, I was lucky enough to live next door at, at, uh, as a child and as a teenager to the head of public relations for the Toronto Maple Leafs in, uh, in really? Canada. Uh, wow, you probably wow. know about them. Definitely. And, uh, and so I was, uh, I was working in PR and, and doing media relations at a very young age um, and uh, then started working for some competitive firms to Edelman for almost a decade in North America, uh, just building a career in communications. But it always had an HR component to it, whether it be employee engagement, change management, learning and development, recruitment, all of those elements were passions for me and things that I, I volunteered to get involved with and started to learn and develop um, to the point where uh, the company that's now known as Anheuser-Busch InBev uh, asked me to come over to Belgium and uh, lead from a culture and change perspective as that organization was going through a massive merger. And that's when I really made the transition to uh, to HR. Um, it went on, and I worked in the soft drink business for a number of years. Edelman was actually my my uh, agency, so I was a client of Edelman for as many as five years. No, I, I worked at Anheuser Busch for a number of years, and it was then that uh, Anheuser Busch InBev, um, oh, and it was nice. it was during those years uh, when the company had become InBev. So the merger of Interbrew and Ambev, the Belgian and Brazilian brewers coming together. Uh, that's when I uh, started to make that transition to HR, and I actually hired Edelman to help uh, in the launch of this new company, particularly to employees around the world. And uh, and I became um, a big fan over time of Edelman, and ultimately I decided to join the firm. And that's why I say I kind of came full circle from communications to HR, and now leading an HR function in the world's leading communications company. So how was that transition then going from one one area of the business to to HR? Well, it was it was more natural than you might uh, than you might imagine. Uh, communications has been um, and, and, you know, building uh, a core competency in communications has been a real help to me uh, in terms of uh, labor relations, for example, um, negotiations, difficult conversations, but also conversations where we seize opportunity to uh, engage employees um, to build culture and change initiatives to manage through change and and change just seems to be the ongoing theme for leaders in business today but specifically uh, HR leaders as well so communications has been a great help to me as I as I've navigated with my various employers through through change so I suppose it's giving you quite a a unique perspective then with that transition what, what have you what do you what skills do you feel that you've taken over from that role into hr that's helped 
Well, again, I, as I said, it, it's um, having a, um, a background in communication has really been a big help in, in for example, um, when I was in the soft drink business, in labor relations, in uh, distilling down pretty complex topics for your social partners, distilling them down to um, more digestible, uh, easily understood concepts, um, and and then obviously negotiating through difficult transitions, um, seizing opportunities to uh, you know manage through change uh, in in my various organizations, um, communicating effectively internally, uh, and sure. bringing bringing employees along on the journey. Uh, and understanding what what good communication looks like, good, authentic, real, often hard hitting, but also simple communication. Understanding what that looks like is critically important. And then I've been over time, obviously, as I've been in HR for quite a long time, I've been fortunate enough to to been just go through a lot of change, uh, and also be given the opportunity to to lead and bring in people who had. Uh, much more experience and expertise than I had in specialist areas of HR. For example, um, you know, rewards or, or compensation, things like that. Mm -hmm. and, and where we are now in your role, what really occupies your mind on a day-to-day -day basis now? Um, you know, it's probably not untrue for most HR leaders, but what, what really occupies my mind, among other things, is is how do we as a function ensure that we are always relevant to the business in terms of driving business goals, uh, bringing uh, analysis uh, and fact base to decisions that need to be made, making strong recommendations based on those on those facts, um, helping people succeed, and in in a way, almost getting out of the way. Um, enabling, finding ways to enable leaders to succeed, for businesses to thrive, whether that be through, you know, simpler performance management, simpler assessments of, of top talent, um, uh, programs for leaders to to improve their um, development, uh, those types of things. It's almost like, you know, to use the sporting analogy that we talked about earlier, it's almost like being a very effective referee sometimes um, and calling a good game, if you will. Um, sometimes, you know, our our function is not noticed, but it's so critically important because we're side by side with leadership to make things happen. Those are the things that uh, that often occupy uh, my mind during the day, just ensuring that uh, the programs and recommendations that we're making drive the business forward. Can you share one of those projects or, or transformations that you've been through that you're most proud of? I, I, everywhere I've worked, I, I, maybe I've been fortunate, uh, but uh, organizations have been going through massive change, um, and I've just been, you know, a, a part of it um, as opposed to necessarily leading it. But um, Anheuser Busch InBev years ago um, was formed out of uh, a company that calls itself the world's local brewer, um, so a very decentralized organization that became you know, renowned for its uh, overarching culture, um, the speed around which it could uh, drive uh, integration of acquired companies. Um, and I learned a, a ton from uh, just having been there through all of that time. But I'm also proud of, of the way that our function uh, was able to assist uh, and be core to the success of, of those integrations, whether it be the acquisition of of Anheuser-Busch as an example, 
um, and establishing a, a culture uh, in the organization that everyone really clearly understood. And it was a culture that people could understand uh, whether it was right for them. We were very honest uh, about uh, what, the, uh, what it would be like to work there. And I sort of brought that with me wherever else I've worked is, is trying to make sure that the employee value proposition, the culture is clear for everybody because no organization is for everybody. Um, and uh, being honest about that and say, hey, this is, this is what it's like to work here. This is what we're trying to do. These are the types of people that we think will thrive here. Um, and, uh, and, and it's, a, it's a deal, if you will, with employees uh, and helping them understand that so that they can in fact thrive or at, at times decide this isn't for me. That's really important. Mm -hmm. And and, and um, how did you communicate that message to employees when you went through that tran tran transformation and acquisition? What were some of the well, things? That well, you guys in, did? in each in each case, it you know again this sounds really simple perhaps, um, but being clear, for example, about what the organization's values are, um, and making sure they're not generic making sure that um, they are role modeled by leaders so that people can see the words that are the values and then see those demonstrated in the actions of leaders. And so that the things that are recognized and rewarded in the organization really reinforce those values. So that you know people, wherever they are working in the organization, understand, oh, okay, I get what this company's trying to do. I'm inspired by it. I understand what my role is in helping us to achieve that. And I and I understand what the framework is. I understand, you know, the framework within which I can play. Um, and, you know, being really clear about that and, again, making sure that leaders in the organization role model those values. That's mm -hmm. absolutely true here at Edelman. We only have three values um, that I think um, people, wherever they are in the organization, would say, I, I not only do I understand those values, but I see our leaders across the company role modeling those values. Um, can, I, can I ask what those values are? Well, you know, the first one's about excellence. Um, is is you would expect us to say that, but the first one's about having a relentless pursuit uh, of excellence, um, ultimately with a, a client focus. So that's all about quality and ensuring that you know, we don't cut any corners, uh, et cetera, when it comes to the work that we do for our, our clients. Um, the second one is really around curiosity. Uh, our company remains independent, um, so it's, the, it's what we call the freedom to be constantly curious. Um, and I'll, and I, I may conclude at some point with an initiative we did this year, uh, among many, to inspire our employees to go out and be curious, to get outside, to spend time in their communities, uh, with their friends, etc., always looking for new ideas to, to be curious. And then the third one is is the courage to do the right thing. Um, we uh, there's a lot of um, businesses and um, uh, you know potential client work that we don't do uh, because it's uh, it doesn't fit with you know our ethics as an organization. Um, and at the same time, we are we encourage our employees not to be afraid to say, hey, this is this is um, there's a better way to go. There's a better path to take, um, and just to stand up for what they believe is right. So those are really important values for us. And I hope that employees look around and they see leaders across the organization really exemplifying those three values. What impact do you feel, or can you give an example, what impact do you 
feel that those values have had on the businesses that you've worked within? Well, you know, and I, I said it before, they they um, create a framework um, uh, around which decisions can be made. Um, we translated those values into uh, behavioral competencies in uh, in our assessments, so that every employee in, in the organization can measure themselves, and their line managers can can give them input as to how they're doing in living those values. Uh, they shape, for example, the the kind of work we do and the client kind of clients that we do our work for. Um, there's a lot of a lot of industries we don't play in. Um, we're very proud of the work we do for our clients, and we're proud of our clients uh, and the difference that they make in uh, in their communities, um, in their industries, etc. And, and We'd like to think that we play a role in that. Great. So wh where do you see the biggest opportunity for improvement now within the HR function? Um, well, it, it, everyone's talking about uh, artificial intelligence. Sure, the, bu the buzzword right now. <laughs> yeah, it, you know, it really is. Um, so you'd expect uh, any conversation to sort of tip into that at some point in time. I think for HR, we can play as professionals in our function, we can play a really critically important uh, role in helping our leaders understand what impact artificial intelligence might have uh, on ways of working going forward, on, um, on the work that our employees will do, um, what impact technology will have, where it can create efficiencies and where it may create some challenges for us. We need to um, we need to have that level of of insight, of business acumen, so that our leaders can look to us and expect us to see around corners a little bit, um, to see ahead, to be more analytical, um, to use insights more effectively. And we have increasing an explosion of tools uh, nowadays from you know HR systems to enable us to get that kind of insight, uh, get those kinds of analytics for things like workforce planning and for understanding, you know, maybe a year, two, three, five years down the road a little bit so that our organizations can predict uh, going forward. But that requires, you know, far more than a transactional approach to HR. Yes. That, that requires people coming out of different parts of business. It may require people having different degrees coming out of university. I, I don't know, but um, for us to really make a difference as we go forward, those are some of the things I think HR folks will have to have. So how are you currently um, preparing internally in, in the HR department? How are you because, of course, there's a huge wider impact on the business. How are you currently harnessing HR technology within your team? Um, well, we've got uh, we've got a number of things we're, we're working on. Um, uh, you know, building out the business case for investment in in, in future technology. But um, some of the things that uh, that we benefited from, I look at uh, recruitment. We use Taleo, and uh, Taleo gives us. Uh, across the business a far greater insight into uh, candidate tracking. Um, it gives it leaders, not just leaders, all employees the opportunity to get involved in uh, in recommending um, potential candidates because they can see. So it's what we call social sourcing, where all employees can be involved. Um, there's a gamification sort of approach to that. We can be very, you know, planful in the way that we're, we're managing recruitment as a result of, of Leo. 
Um, we were one of the, from a collaboration perspective, we were one of the very first partners with Facebook. Um, uh, we we're almost a beta, if you will, for them to use Workplace, which is oh, a, really? you know, there are there are a whole host of collaboration tools that organizations are have been trying to use to improve communication, to reduce email traffic, uh, etc. We have found that uh, that Workplace. Partly because almost everyone's on Facebook already. Mm. Uh, workplace is intuitive. Um, the search function in, in Workplace is second to none. Um, so anything that's in there, you can search very quickly and find people, uh, ideas, um, files, etc. Very, very quickly and very intuitively. And just things like uh, live video conferencing. Uh, the technology is really robust. Uh, for sharing, and I think we're actually still at the relatively early stage uh, of using it in its most effective way, but we're, we're pretty good at that. And then from a, a learning and development perspective, we are using uh, Docebo, which is a, um, there, you know, again, there's many LMS solutions that organizations can, uh, can tap into. Yeah. We like this one um, in, in part because maybe like others, but I think it does it better. It, it, it provides, again, really intuitive, real-time, real tailored uh, learning solutions. But we, as, as leaders of the function, can, we can track learning very quickly. People who are involving themselves in you know, training on the go, if you will, there is a gamification approach there. They like that. They get points if, if, uh, if they participate. Um, they can compete a little bit. But again, they can, they can uh, have tailored really tailored um, learning development solutions when they want them. And, uh, and so technology has really changed you know, all of those things um, so much. And we'll continue to hopefully explore new ways of uh, taking it back. Well, thank you very much for sharing that as well. It's great to give our, our members some insight into the different systems you're using because one of the big challenges, as you know, is that there's so much out there. <laughs> there's so many different solutions and everyone says they're the best one <laughs> so yeah. it's very it's very hard to do that and it's also one question i had for you how are you managing those systems communicating with each other have you got to that stage yet yet where you have those systems communicating together effectively you know we're one of many companies that's that's uh that's also exploring you know all-encompassing hr systems um you know you've got workday out there you've got sap and uh and oracle systems um and uh, and we're in the we're in the exploration stage because we have an Oracle um, an older Oracle um, set up right now and we need to we need to evolve. It's within that that uh, that I I'm pretty sure all of these tools can be integrated. Uh, mm -hmm. Right now um, they don't talk to each other as effectively as as I'd like to be perfectly honest. Uh, and so people have to kind of tap into, you know, on their desktop, if you will, they have to go to a different for each one of these things. And I talked about collaboration, recruitment, learning and development. There are others, of course, you know, just yeah. things yeah. like, um, you know, uh, up for us in our business, we do timesheets. Um, you want to make that as easy as possible. And we now have uh, a system where people can just do it on their phone very quickly, uh, as opposed to having to have their laptop. Uh, and you know how much people are using their phone. They can they can actually download their timesheet or or update their timesheet in seconds now. It's all of those things that are coming. Um, you know, mobile technology is amazing, but getting them to talk to each other and making them seamless. Again, HR systems are 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 looking to make that possible, and we're trying to explore which one is best for us. 
I think I think we've seen this happen in quite a few different functions. I think firstly with marketing went through that transition, sales have gone through that transition, and then now I think you see HR going through that transition of the the digital transition um, that they've had. And um, like, you're not the only one in that position. I think everyone I speak to um, is in a similar position of trying to get those systems to talk together because that's really when things get really interesting yeah. um, from a speed perspective. And I think the, what's great is, as you know, most of these these softwares, they have the API that can integrate with, with all yeah. the other systems as well. But of course, when you think about some of the larger systems that you mentioned, it's such a huge investment um, for the business that it, you have to get it right um as well so yeah and and we actually work with um some of our clients to help them manage the the cultural change journey required to onboard uh, a new system in many cases so you know to, you take a work day for example um and and the role that um change management has to play to ensure that leaders can take full advantage of you know a dashboard at their fingertips but if they if they still think of, for example, of HR in the traditional way, where I'm going to walk down the hall and and my HR person is going to do all of that for me, that would require a change, wouldn't it? Um, and some organizations are still working that way. And if they're going to invest in a workday, as as one example, or an SAP or Oracle system, um, they need to also invest in the time and resource to to go through the change journey. So. Interesting for us, we, we're doing that with clients um, and we're going to have to do it for ourselves as well. When, when you go through a lot of these changes or embedding a new software, I think that's the easy part. It's the actual adoption of the teams and yes. the managers of using it. That's the hard part. And I think, as you said, companies don't give enough attention to that part. And the no, cultural, some don't. Yeah, the shift in mentality. If you have someone who's been using the same system for over 10 years, then expecting them to change overnight to a new system with a, a dashboard, with analytics, etc. is honestly, most of the focus should be in, in the actual development of those individuals and the training because it's going to take a lot longer than you feel. No, and, you're uh, absolutely right. The, the strategy is the, I, I always say the strategy seems to be the easy part. It's the execution where, where most people fail. So that's great. right. Thank you for your insight on that and sharing the detail of that. That's going to be really helpful. For our, for our members um, we went we, we already spoke about HR skills um, and, and what's going to be important in the future and obviously how you're preparing for that that's great um, so I suppose that leads us quite nicely on to what we call the quick fire round where I'm going to ask you five questions and uh, you have no more than 30 seconds to give us some amazing answers is that okay I will try <laughs> I will try um, what was the number one thing that was holding you back from becoming a leader in the field of HR well, that's a great question. Um, I'm not sure I've ever thought of it that way, but um, if I was held back at any point, I, I think it was in part because of that journey that, that I described to you earlier. Um, I, for a very senior role in HR or, or the, the lead of the function, I didn't have as many years of technical HR experience than some folks might. I had all those years in in communications leadership experience, leading a, you know a, a public affairs or communications function, and, and growing up that way, um, so you know I'm, if if I was held back, I was absolutely absolutely fine with that um, because I wanted to make sure that all of those experiences were relevant to working in HR, um, and I've had I've had the you know the wonderful opportunity of of meeting with and working with amazing specialists in all aspects of HR from recruitment to learning and development to OD and, and uh, 
and rewards that have, that have helped me. And I'll always want to be surrounded by those great people as well. What's the best piece of business advice that you've ever received? Ah, wow, there's so many. You know, we all get a lot of advice. Um, I'm just going to say the first thing on my mind, which was, um, it was actually an HR leader many years ago, and I've never forgotten this. He said to me afterwards, Nigel, you know, my advice to you would be never hesitate to ask the dumb question uh, because it's not usually a dumb question, particularly if you truly try to understand the answer because that answer, that information that you get um, probably helps everyone else around the table if you're in a forum uh, often, and he was dry, and often he would ask the question that we all wanted to ask. Um, and uh, and so it's a simple concept, but uh, you know, having the curiosity, the interest, and the desire to understand the answer to questions, really, really important. I think that's a great, great, great piece of advice. And uh, what's one book that you would recommend to our audience and why? So when I get asked this, um, my answer is often different. Um, but I'm going to say this time because I think it's so relevant. I read it again recently. Um, it's called The Power of Full Engagement um, by Jim Lohr and uh, Tony Schwartz. Uh, it was probably written 15 or 20 years ago. And I picked it up again recently. I, I think it's more relevant today than it was then because you know, people will always tell you that they are so busy. All of the technological tools, the social media, the the day to day, the hour the hour, hour by hour, almost minute by minute busyness. Um, this book is about, and it was about, continues to be about managing one's energy versus one's time, and the impact that that can have on actually achieving results. Um, I'm I'm not sure it didn't kind of um, prompt some of the, the push today for things like meditation um, and unplugging, um, you know, all of those things that uh, actually inspire us to be more creative and more effective at times. So that's, that's my recommendation today, the power of full engagement. Fantastic. I'll definitely link that in the description. You mentioned meditation briefly there. Um, do you meditate yourself? Uh, not, uh, if, if you can call long distance running, um, completely unplugged long distance running meditation, then yes. Um, I'm not sure that, that it's the same thing, but it, it, it is what I do. I, I like to run long distance with with no phone, um, no music, um, just out into the countryside, and I find that's uh, extraordinarily um, refreshing for me. I, th I definitely think that's a form of uh, meditation. I think that's a great form of meditation. Mine's similar with the gym. I, I, I forget about everything outside yeah. of that. And then for that one hour, I'm completely unplugged from everything around me. Uh, I think it comes in different forms. I'm also started using an app called Headspace. I'm not sure. If yes, heard of, heard outstanding. It so I, I I do that. Um, you know, there's different modules in in there. Probably the best thing I've ever purchased in the app store. Yes. <laughs> and uh, before bed, sometimes I'll I'll put it in, and it just kind of uh, yeah. If anyone's uh, hasn't, I'll link it in the description. But it's it's great. I have used that too. The, the one thing I would say about Headspace is, is if you were to summarize one of the core um, insights from Headspace, it's about breathing. And, and, and I go back to my own um, background in communications and media training um, and presentation training. One of the, uh, one of the core uh, recommendations made in, in all of those exercises is about breathing. Um, and breathing, you know, it, it, it has such a huge influence on 
your ability to think, your ability to relax, your ability to communicate, and, and I could keep going. And, and Headspace does talk a lot about breathing. Yeah, fantastic. Uh, could you share one internet resource that you use to increase productivity or, or stay in tune with current events? You'd expect me to say this, perhaps, but I, I, my choice here would probably be still LinkedIn. Uh, it's been around a very long time. It's a, it, it's an incredible resource for HR people. Mm-hmm. Um, it, uh, it gives, it gives me, and I think most of my colleagues, uh, an insight into uh, almost everybody in in business. Uh, if they use it effectively. Uh, so it's great for network. It's great for relevant industry news. Um, and it continues to build uh, on its strengths. The only other thing I would say is, yeah, so LinkedIn would be my choice, but, you know, not far behind from a, the standpoint of just staying staying in touch with uh, with business and relevant trends, et cetera. I use Twitter as a sort of a, a news uh, aggregator, um, and I really enjoy Flipboard. Great. Great. And uh, just out of curiosity, on LinkedIn, do you use that? Do you still use that for recruitment, or do you have you do you use that for for recruitment purposes or not? Um, our recruiters definitely do. Yes, yeah. have they found that to be quite effective? Yes, great, fantastic. And uh, what's Flipboard? Sorry, I don't know about Flipboard. So Flipboard is um, is an outstanding tool where uh, the, the, there's there's a caution here because you know many of us um, have fallen into the trap of of getting our news a little bit in a in a vacuum um and uh and so we follow the same things and get the same input so it's important for us to sometimes go outside of the bubble and understand different perspectives flipboard on the other hand is you can build your own daily magazine so you you describe what your interests are and uh and it downloads news for you uh in that space so if you like sports um if you like uh, nature uh in my case it's a lot of it around culture and change change management um every day it it it, it extracts news from around the world and puts it into a, a a package a magazine package for you so i get that in one place it's incredible great definitely. so it's just on the app store yeah all right. Oh, okay, I'll definitely yeah. link, link that in the description. Uh, what's one thing about your business that most excites you today? Uh, well, you'd expect me to say our people. I, I think we have our industry's best people. Um, maybe it's because of our independence, because of our history, um, because of our clients, uh, etc. We just have absolutely remarkable people. Um, but the other thing that's very exciting for me is is we're 18, 19 years into a trust barometer research. And in the last year alone, it has helped to predict and guide clients in, in terms of uh, the attitudes of, of publics towards major institutions. Um, it really predicted what happened in the U.S. with respect to the last uh, election. It could have predicted uh, Brexit um, because it was very early on in describing the decline, the massive decline in trust in institutions that's take, taken place over the last few years. And it's been a great um, fact-based tool to help clients to to ensure that they're doing the right things to, to build trust in their employees and their stakeholders, et cetera. So it, it's been, for me, it's very exciting and it, and it just builds on its strengths every year. So I think that's our trust barometer. So could you give a bit of more information about what that is, the trust barometer? So, um, is it the a technology, Edelman, sorry? Yeah, the Edelman Trust Barometer is an annual survey of um, 
it, it, it surveys people from around the world. Um, and we, you know, we talk about the general, the, the regular general public and the, uh, um, uh, the elites, if you will, those who are highly educated. Um, and there's been a big divide between the two, but that research comes out every year in January, uh, has for 18 years now. Um, and it, it has breaks by, um, sectors and practices. It has breaks by geography, um, et cetera. And it's been incredibly useful as, as an insight into trust in institutions over a long period of time. Well, look, you've been a great guest and um, really appreciate you joining us. And uh, I know our members will be a lot better off, off for it. So thank you very much for that. Um, give our listeners one part in piece of guidance and also the best way to get in contact with you. Yeah, it's been a real pleasure for me as well, Chris. The uh, conversation has been a lot of fun. Um, one piece of guidance, that's so hard. But I'm just going to say I'm just going to say something that I uh, that I've tried to push uh, for the last little while. And it was the inspiration came from our client Unilever. Uh, where they kind of ran a, a campaign uh, called uh, Get Outside. And uh, we took that and and ran with it uh, within our own um, context. And we had a program for employees around the world encouraging them to get outside. And again, the idea here is we are so obsessed with busyness uh, and the day-to-day that sometimes we just don't take the time to step away and reflect. You know, we talked about running earlier, but... Um, you know, getting out the the idea of getting outside is just is step out of your office uh, or whatever you're doing and go do something different. Go for a walk in the uh, in the woods. Go for a walk up the street. Uh, take your team for a a walking meeting. Whatever it may be, do something different um, because that inspires curiosity. It gives time for reflection. Um, it re-energizes you. And uh, and and that's my piece of advice: is is uh, get outside. I think that's a, an amazing piece of advice because for me, if I didn't go to the gym or, or do the sports that I did, I don't think I could do my, I don't think I'd be as effective as, as I am. It's my, it's my time to recharge yeah. um, and just stop thinking. <laughs> about, so your about, brain needs a break sometimes. yeah even for me it sounds may sound quite quite silly and my my, my wife always still gives me, a, a, she gives me a lot of a, a hard time for it, but even computer games, and that sounds quite silly for, for me is an escape from the stresses and mm. everything else that allows me to sort of recharge uh, so that and sports are the two ways that I do that even in, in my previous company one of the things we used to do um, which I didn't even look at it as that perspective right now was if we had a stressful day I would take the team we would just walk around the block yeah uh, that's that's the idea <laughs> is exactly that I'm just looking up something here um, the uh, it's exactly that is just to take the uh, take the team around the block. Those so that we our offices are right up the road from um, Westminster Abbey and the Houses of Parliament. And and I asked folks in a town hall recently how many had been inside Western Westminster Abbey or on a tour of the Houses of Parliament uh, or walked by uh, and actually just stood in front of and admired um, Buckingham Palace. And as you would expect, for many the answer was. Actually, I haven't done that. Really? Um, but how inspirational can any of those things be? You know, you're, you're, you know, we're all blessed to be near something that is really interesting. It might even be a tree or a flower. Who knows? But all yeah. these things can be inspiring if we take time to look. I think we're getting, it's. it's um, I think it's got harder um, now in the world that we live in, where you're constantly distracted. As you said, everyone's living on their phone. They're living on social media. Living online. 
let you know it only takes you going on a train to look at around you to see every single person looking at a screen yeah and then as soon as they come outside of that screen they're at work yes <laughs> so that's true. there's ne there's never an escape it's it's con even i find myself sometimes i'll be doing work and i'll get distracted by something on my phone and you know then out one hour's gone by and i haven't yes. achieved what i wanted to do but when i look when i was younger when social media and you know didn't exist as much or it wasn't as uh, as high i was always out doing things going to the park going i was just constantly doing things i never spent time at my at a desk or or, or um, in my house because there's always something to do now you're almost trapped by the fact there's always something on tv there's always something on netflix there's always something on amazon you can watch there's just too much right. going on around you so well you know chris this this get outside concept was actually inspired by by research that we did uh, that found um, prison inmates, um, and these were prison inmates in the United States, uh, had more time outside, were blessed with more time outside than children of today. Uh, and, and, and that's something to think about, you know, just unfettered uh, time, not organized time, but unfettered just play time, I think is sometimes what, uh, what kids miss. And I've got two kids, and I'd, I'd, I'd love to think that they have time just to to be bored just to go out and play and and to be creative and conjure up a game on their own as opposed to having it all be very organized so yeah, that's where yeah. the insight came from but um yeah it's 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 quite a uh it's quite a thought i think it's an area we could talk about for a very long time yes. and i i see it with my my nephew um what he came I, I babysit him every other sunday he comes over and i babysit him and uh well, i say babysit him he's seven years old i don't know if he's still counting mm -hmm. that babysitting but sure. he comes he comes over and uh he literally if i didn't make him or suggest we go anywhere he would sit there in front of an ipad watching yes. youtube videos gaming whatever it may be for the whole day and he'll be very content and happy to do that and looking at it, it it's so shocking to me um even um i don't i don't know if i should get into this topic i might it might be a bit controversial but even when i see um a parent um i've had i've actually had discussion with my sister about this of when a, a child cries and they just give them an ipad to keep them yeah. quiet or give them the phone to watch a video <laughs> well I, you know what chris is, <laughs> the, i guess the content, there's, there's a time and a place for everything um sure. and technology has enhanced our lives and in so many ways it's just a question of of finding that right balance um and and finding those opportunities where we are completely unplugged and as a result we're having to create our own entertainment um whatever that may be yeah i think um that you hit the word when you say create that's the key thing right it for me it it doesn't it, it stops it subdues your creativity because you're already getting the content and you're consuming and it's coming at you from every angle that you almost don't have to think it's like reading social media in a lot of ways is just stops people from having to think about that subject in any more detail because they've got a video telling them this is exactly what it means yeah. and it's that and as you said it's that one person's perspective but we're all looking at that same perspective That's unfortunately true. across different social channels so you have to look outside so i'll definitely look be looking at the app that you just had and uh yeah the creativity side of it i think is 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 a big is a dangerous place is it stops people from from being innovative thought-provoking coming up with original ideas if you're always just looking at, at, at um at social or, or looking at what other people are doing 
um, for me, some of the simplest things. I got married two weeks ago. And, oh, congratulations. Um, <laughs> thank, thank you very much. Um, and one of the most joyful things I ever did was that I sat at a table in my living room two days ago and I got every single um, card that I received, wedding card. And I spent a, a, literally about seven hours cutting up cards and creating a huge sort of montage <laughs> of, of, oh, all of, the card, of all of the cards. And uh, it's something as simple as that, that my friends think you're, you're crazy. And the suggestions were from my friends, why don't you just pay someone to do that? Why don't you go online to one of those websites where they can build something like that for you and send it over? And I was like, why? <laughs> oh, yeah. this is easier. It saves you time. And how much fun was that? I'm sure that it was, was it really was, fun. It, I say it was fun apart from the two hours I spent getting glitter off of everything in the house. So Yeah, that, that was probably a challenge, I'm sure. It was, yeah. But um, we got a bit carried away there, but I really appreciate your insights. And that's why I want to have these conversations. It's always, it's always, it's always fun. Yeah, um, and no uh, what would be the best way, if, if our members ever want to reach out to you, what is the best way for them to get in contact with you? Well, they can find me on LinkedIn, of course. Um, and my, my Twitter is at, at NigelMiller64. Um, so those would be a couple of good ways. Great. Well, look, thank you for sharing your journey with us. And I wish you all the best until we next speak. Thank you, Chris. Good luck Thanks. with everything.